So how are you lining up audio? I mean, I'm just manually doing it. Like, there's no secret to it. I, I think the reason that I'm no. as good as it no. as I feel like I am right now is because I'm always present for the actual conversation. Uh, so like B, you take, we take right. B one-on-one, for example, like, you know, I coached you guys in the beginning, like, let's always say welcome to blah, blah, blah. And usually from there, I can get it lined up to where, uh, you know, it all works, but I was also present for the conversation. So I kind of know how it flowed in the first place. Here's my process for lining up the audio for that. At least, uh, usually it's fairly easy because it's only one person talking, but we've been doing a lot of back and forth. Typically what I'll do is I'll start with whoever is like the main presenter or the person that's going to open up that particular lesson for last week, for example, or this, this week's lesson, uh, was Desiree was the one who said, you know, welcome to week, whatever it was. So I start with her. I solo her track, get right to the point where she's saying, you know, welcome to blah, blah, blah. And I snip off everything before that. And then with us, I, uh, I go back, I solo, unsolo her track, solo the next track. Your track was the next track. Uh, because of you guys' conversation, the way it started, nope, we did the Google thing first, the search thing first. So yeah, we did the Google thing. Yeah, so but I chopped out. So what I did is I actually split off your Google section and just dropped it in like right where it was supposed to go after her, you know, bit. Uh, and then the rest of your audio, I just shifted it over until I got you to lined up where your conversation flowed the way that it should have flowed. Uh, uh, and then I just had one one item in the whole thing, which is just my uh, YouTube search, you know, thing. So I just dropped that in where it went and then I was done with my track. Uh, so I think partially it's because, like I said, I was there when the recording happened, which means I kind of know the way the conversation flowed so I can better figure out how to line it up. Uh, but it is a lot easier than uh, I thought it was because this particular week I literally got up and I think I started editing around 11 and I was done whenever I posted my message, which may have been about one o'clock or so. Your time. Yeah. 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 So it really didn't take that long. And are you using the tab key on each person's track to quickly jump to the next uh, louder point? I am not because I did not know anything about that. So yeah, tell me about if that. you press the tab key in Reaper, it'll jump you to the next symbolist, I think is how you say that. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's the peak, uh, the next peak of the item. So if you're skimming through silence because one track has silence, then you can press tab and it'll jump you forward to that next particular time that that person talks or makes a noise oh. on their end. Oh, okay. Yeah. That that'll be super handy. Yeah. 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 So so play with and that. That's just a bit. part of the regular that's just a part of the regular uh Osara. Osara or SWS. I don't remember which one. I think it's Osara though. So flexible web with Jaws. Did you ever use that in the past? Uh no, because I don't think it was there yeah. when I left Windows it came in full 14. time and Yeah. Wait, fourteen. Where was I when I left? I think I might have been at twelve when I uh, left. Yeah. Or I I was at twelve when I kind of switched over to more using NVDA uh, full time. So I couldn't wrap my mind around it, but it's 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 one of those things, kind of like the circular menus. There's a lot of things I can't wrap my mind around, apparently, and then I finally figure them out. So you can customize your web experience with Jaws, for example. You can hide elements, or you can start reading at an element. And I I 
really didn't play with it that much until this morning when I'm like, you know, I got to make some changes with Google Calendar because that's what I'm running on now that I'm at home all day to keep myself on task because if I don't, then the day will get away from me. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you may know about that. Uh, but yeah, so yeah. Uh, calendar.google.com is pretty accessible, but I'm like, there's got to be faster ways to navigate this. So what I did is I went ahead and set up a custom uh starting point and it's selected from the heading that announces the amount of items that are in a uh, day. So my workflow is I go to calendar.google.com use table navigation that puts me on the first table, which shows me that month of uh, days. And then if I press enter on the ninth, for example, then with focus editing or with uh, flexible web, what jaws will do is jump down to the heading that says five events today. And then I just have to down arrow to see each event. And then you press enter on that event and you can either edit it or delete it or get access to Google docs links there too. (laughs) <laughs> yeah which is super nice yeah it is it's interesting uh listen to you kind of explain how flexible web works and setting up you know custom navigational functions so that you can move around easier it brings something to mind that has been kind of bubbling for me a little bit since i spent my time on android and also have been looking at you know optimizing you know because i do the same thing right like i'd go to a site and it's like oh i'm on here all the time i have to use this all the time there's got to be quicker ways to jump around because there's not you know a ton of headings or a ton of elements to jump through i got to go set hot spots or something with, with voiceover uh and it, it, it what it brings to mind for me though is just thinking about how each screen reader that i have used started out and then how there seems to become a lot of feature parity uh, as time goes on. So one example is voiceover and JAWS. Like one of the big things I liked about voiceover when I first started using it is that very early on voiceover had the ability to set things like, you know, web spots and hot spots and windows and uh, window spot, you know, a whole lot of different things to help you quickly do some navigation where JAWS didn't have those type of features. Now, JAWS had some other features that voiceover did not necessarily do. Like uh, initially, uh, when voiceover was first getting off the ground and getting integrated, uh, it was not the best for text editing. Uh, <laughs> I remember those it days. Was not, <laughs> it was not the best for text editing. Uh, whereas people even, you know, till this day, people like Jonathan Mosin swear by Jaws and yep. Word if they have to do anything in Word. Like he's going over to Windows to do it, like which makes a lot of sense because it's, it's been very optimized over the years. But you look at a lot of the features like, you know, voiceovers customization with navigation, hotspots uh, as an example, uh, activities is another thing. Uh, on the Mac, uh, and even looking at the mobile platforms, like, of course, you can customize and you have been able to for a very long time in Android to customize your talkback gestures. Uh you have your specific sets of gestures that you're able to use, but you've been able to customize those for a while. So you don't have to stick with it. Like if you don't like the up and left gesture to go home, uh, you don't have to stick with that gesture you can change it to be something else to go home you know use down and left because maybe your brain thinks that right. makes more sense but i think it was with uh ios 12 i don't even remember when it came in and i remember looking at it. i know you were still on ios when they actually introduced some customizable uh gestures and voiceover on ios nope it was right and, when i left it because that came in ios 13 it was one of the, uh, the new accessibility features of 13, wasn't it? Ah, uh, okay. So it was 13? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I couldn't remember. I just know I remembered that it was a thing, but I had forgotten about it until uh, I was listening to, 
and now I'm going to forget his name. Uh, not Jonathan Mosin. Uh, the other guy that does the podcast out of Australia. David Woodbridge. Uh, there you go. Thank you. Uh, was listening to his podcast, a uh, couple of reviews that he's done on a couple of products I wanted to check out, one of which I think you might find interesting, uh, but I'll get to that. Uh, and he had one episode where he's like, you know, his four customized uh, voiceover gestures on iOS. Uh, and I found it interesting. First of all, I was like, huh, I completely forgot that that was a thing you could do. Uh, and secondly, I found interesting the gestures that he chose to customize. So he customized a home gesture, which I think he used two fingers right, two finger flick right, because that's not assigned to anything in voiceover. Uh, a four finger flick up to get to navigation, uh, notification center, four finger flick down to get to control center and two finger flick left for something. I don't remember what it was. App switcher, possibly. Uh, but I found it interesting that those gestures sort of kind of mimic the way that you think about Android. And I was like, it's very interesting that a lot of the features that I liked about Android screen reader, even when it was crappier, you know, much, much worse than what it is, because uh, it has vastly improved. Uh, you know, that, that feature is now there in iOS and looks like potentially we'll be getting some of the gesture capabilities with TalkBack mm-hmm. uh, and Android 11 uh, <laughs> being able to do multi-finger gestures, which is really going to be interesting for yes. customization. Yes, it is. And and I'm intrigued by what TalkBack 9 is going to bring. You know, one of the things on the calendar side of things with Android that's so frustrating, and you know what I'm going to say, not only because it's in the notes, but because it's, it's what I miss from uh, iOS, especially with Fantastical, is the natural language input. To the best of my knowledge, there isn't a way to quickly add a new event. Recording with Damasi tomorrow, 12 noon to 1 p.m. And you can go to calendar.google.com, add your event, and then tab, 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 tab. So I submitted his feedback that, hey, having natural language input, which used to be available apparently until they changed their interface back in what looks like 2018, uh, having Having that natural language input would definitely would be useful for for quickly adding things uh, in the accessibility side of things. It would be a lot more efficient for sure. So, uh, yeah, screen readers are acting a lot like each other, and you have the best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it comes down to like it's just like I tell people about about uh, you know some of the differences between iOS and Android. They both are shifting uh quite a bit whereas you know android started out wide open like it really was the wild wild west you know google is on a mission we've talked about this in previous podcasts to tighten up its security uh and stop allowing you know such transgressions to continue that have been going on for years whereas apple came at it from a different perspective ios was super locked down when it first started to the point it didn't even have an app store Hmm. uh but now we're slowly seeing them add more and more capabilities that if they don't mirror Android's features, they're sort of similar in a way. It's like yeah. Apple's own spin on a thing that Android did first. Uh, you know, just like we're seeing Google do some things that Apple did. It's the Google way of doing it. Like it's Google's approach to the, solving a similar problem or adding a similar feature. Uh, but Man, you're good because I cannot type and talk at the same time. <laughs> so for those who don't know, obviously you don't. Uh, we have a Google Docs document open, and I went up to write where Tomasi was editing, and I typed uh, Google Docs side note because 
were we were talking about Google, and I'm like, I, I got to make a side note. You know, I started as Demasi might know. Uh, I started this document out in Notepad with Markdown because uh, that's what I'm familiar with. And then I pasted it into Google Docs. I'm like, oh man, it doesn't convert it. And maybe there's a way to do it. And I'll do some research uh, to find out if there's like a right-click menu for Windows that you can convert your document into rich text from Markdown. Uh, but I decided to use Control-Alt-2 on one of these items and it made it a heading level two. And I'm like, wait. Ah, I was going to ask you how you did yeah. that too. Because I was like, well, I need to make a freaking heading real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you select the text and hit Control-Alt-2. But if you don't know what it is, if you hit Alt slash, which I presume is option slash on the Mac, it will pop open a uh, search the menus combo box and you can search the menus for different things. And what made me think about this is in Word, because I've been using Word more because I'm familiar with it, I noticed that you can hit Alt-Q to search the the Word ribbons. And so I, I started memorizing some of the keystrokes and then I just put those in, for example, the uh, Word doc, or the Google Docs document and tried control alt two and that made it work and then under the uh working remotely heading that you'll see you'll see that there's bulleted lists and i did that because i couldn't remember the keystroke to add bullets so i hit alt slash and typed a bullet at the b or in that edit box and then hit enter and it put a bullet right before each item so yeah that was my my hmm. side note <laughs> so it, it is the thing because uh, I did not know how to do those headings, uh, so I just did. It is Command Option uh, two or one or three two or one or whatever. Yeah, on the Mac. Uh, oh, you made Google Docs a uh, heading. Yeah, and I got one up here that I gotta go go uh, type some notes up under the screen reader parity thing. Oh. Uh, but the other thing I noticed with Google Docs when I was adding stuff to this doc earlier today is if you type. And maybe you just said this. See, I can't concentrate. Like, I can't focus on everything and type at the same time. Like, I'm telling you, I can't do it. So using some markdown syntax in Google Docs does work. I thought so, but I'm not. If you hit a dash, like if you hit a dash in a space, it'll turn. It starts a bulleted list. Ah, okay. And every time you hit a new line, it drops a new bullet in. So Uh, so you see all the things down at the bottom of the doc that have bullets next to them. That's a bulleted list. It's just because I hit dash space and kept typing. Okay. However, the reason that I got there is because I was looking at the doc and I saw a couple of your things had dashes next to them. So I was like, oh, let me follow Mike's convention and just put a dash. <laughs> and I forgot that you copied and pasted this from a markdown document, though, which obviously it did not convert right. when you pasted those in to be a list. But if you do it inside of the Google Doc, it does actually work. Okay. Number signs, however, do not work. So that's what you were trying just a second ago. It's number signs, huh? Oh. <laughs> or did yeah, you try that earlier? Yeah. I tried that earlier. Uh, I was okay. like, yeah, it didn't work. <laughs> it's like, I got to ask Mike how you made these fucking heads. It's nice. <laughs> So it's command option one through whatever. I don't know how many headings you can six, do one through probably. six. Uh, we'll say, and then control alt on windows after you've selected the text. And then of course we talked about it, I think in a previous episode or didn't make it into the episode, but you can select text and hit control K to link it. And apparently Demasi taught me that you can even type in a search phrase in that edit box and that'll link to the search on Google. Yeah, man. So, Handy. I got that one from Matt Geek Gab. <laughs> it's like, oh, that shit is cool. 
dude was like, oh, yeah, I think this works. Oh, yeah, that does work. Oh, I could do a Google search. I was like, huh, okay, let me go do this in a Google Doc real quick. Like, oh, it does work. I got to tell Mike. <laughs> That's a good podcast, by the way, for anybody that is a uh, Apple user, even part-time. Uh, good tips. Uh, good uh, troubleshooting techniques as well, which I think can be applied across platforms, such as, you know, rooting out the reason your network all of a sudden stopped working. Uh Possibly because you did something goofy you probably shouldn't have done, but, you know, hey, <laughs> right. good troubleshooting techniques help everybody. You know, it, it remove one possible factor at a time. Don't go make a whole bunch of changes. That That is the takeaway for good troubleshooting is change one thing at a time and figure out when it starts to work the way you expect it to instead of going in. Oh, let me uncheck this box and this box and this <laughs> box. And you're like, oh, it worked. Not really sure which one of those boxes I'm going to check to fix it, though. <laughs> Command K on Mac for linking, right? Yep. Okay. Command K. Just wanted to make sure that I had that. So you know how sometimes you'll download an app and you're like, oh, I'll get to that eventually. At least uh, with me, it's, oh, that looks cool. Let me download it and I'll install it and see if I can work it into my workflow. Uh, I, I did that yesterday. Downloaded a app called File Juggler. Not sure if it's accessible. Haven't tried it yet. We'll... Um, but you guys know, but my, how I ended up there is I did a search for Hazel equivalent on windows because I got tired of moving shit to the same folder over and over and over. Oh, so hopefully that'll work. <laughs> the files app on Android is actually pretty decent. It is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is. It's like, man, that, that is, that is nice. I started using it. I'm like, oh man, it's, it's, uh, it's somewhat reminiscent of the files app on, iOS, uh, obviously, well, I'm not going to say obviously because I'm not certain of it, but I would suspect that Google's Files app existed before Apple's Files app. Right. Did. Uh, and I do like Google's approach a little bit better for getting in and out of uh, folders. Ah. Uh, with Apple, it's just back, back, back. Uh, there may be a shortcut to auto. I think if you double tap and hold on the back button, it'll take you all the way back to the root. Uh, but with Google, it's like they show you a bunch of sources right there. Even if you drill down a little bit, you can just tap on the root button and bam, you're back at, you know, right. uh, good the, the starting root. point. You can navigate. Yeah, you can navigate in and out of drive and your local storage and uh, a few other things. So it's pretty nice. I was just thinking about because I was looking looking through my phone to see like what, what Android apps do I have installed that I actually use, mm. make use of on a regular basis. Android 11 not only is going to bring multiple finger or multiple touch gestures for accessibility, but it looks like from the observations that I have heard and that I have, have made, been made aware of that instead of navigate up in the top left corner, Android, at least for the default settings app and a few other apps is using the back button now so people will know that you're not navigating up you're going back so that's little things that excite me <laughs> oh okay i had to think like wait what the hell is he saying wait i got you now yeah. yeah like that that's been there so long that i, I right i am aware of what it means but yeah somebody new coming to us like wait i don't i don't want to navigate up, up. Or, I, I if i go up then that's i want to go back the last things i want to go back so that's that's the one thing that excites me about it is newer users which gives me and I'm saying it here now on DM45, slight hope that maybe some other improvements to TalkBack will be coming uh, next fall, well, this fall, and that, that, that are tailored to the beginner user, which I think would be nice, like fixing web browsing. <laughs> you know, if they can get that to be more slick, uh, 
like that because that, that is the biggest pain for me. And they, they rely, just like Apple does, to be honest, they rely so heavily on web views uh, yeah. that they, they really need to get that working a lot smoother because I realized today on iOS, I tapped on a link and uh, a Todoist comment, and I thought I was actually in Safari. Uh, I was in just a little uh, Safari view controller inside of Todoist, but I thought I was in Safari until I left Todoist, went off and did something else, and then went back into Todoist to go add a task and check some other stuff. Uh, and it was like, oh, I'm still on that page because I was wondering, why did I have to sign back <laughs> into this 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 site? Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's why, because I was in a web view, not, not, uh, not actually a full Safari. <laughs> So I got to ask you a question and then I promise we'll transition onto this next topic. How does one password in iOS 13 work? Cause there, mm, can you, in what sense? So do you still have to hit share, fill with one password and then tap on the login? Oh no. Or does no. it hover above the keyboard or how does that work? This kind of depends on context. So in Safari, typically, uh, if you go to a site and you need to log in, you'll see a suggestion hovering above the keyboard that says, uh, and it will actually suggest the appropriate login. Uh, oh, so okay. if like, if I go to uh, google.com, for example, it'll show me probably my most frequently used Google login since I have a ton of Google accounts. <laughs> uh, but they also uh, just about in any screen where you're trying to put in a username and password, whether they have a suggestion for a particular login or not, you will also have a passwords button that you can tap and that will bring up uh, a little dialogue. And if you have both of them on, you'll see both one password and iCloud keychain there. Okay. Uh, and you just tap on which one you want. And then you kind of get that view that you're used to with one password. If you tap on one password where it's like hitting share and then one password, ah, okay. uh, but it, it there's just a button above the keyboard that you tap and it takes you basically into one password. So sort of like the view that you get on Android as well. You can see the logins that match there, but you can also search, search. Uh, and and have it autofill a specific thing if it for some reason I see this a lot of time in apps where you mm-hmm. tap the one password button it pops up and the app's domain isn't quite registered right for one password to know oh I need to log in to Reddit yeah. you know here yep. it's like uh, I don't know what, 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 so you have to search for it and then tap on it and then it uh, says are you sure you want to log in or share this username yeah you know i just saw that the other uh, like (laughs) last night for some reason i can't remember what i was signing into it was like one password cannot verify that blah 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 app should have access to this i was like what yeah yeah wait a minute i picked up i looked at the phone again i'm like nope this is my iphone oh okay Uh, (laughs) strange i've never seen that before i I see Uh, that actually a lot uh for android apps specifically obviously because that's what i'm using one password on but i think i i do like the extra security because if you've installed some random weird app and then you give it access to one of your logins it makes you pause for a second eh, do i really want to want to use this app here but yes yeah, it's, it's, it's nice uh the one thing that i wish they would add the ability and hopefully we'll see it in like ios 14 or something is currently uh apple's keychain is the only password management solution that can automatically suggest mm. or generate new passwords for you without you going through a bunch of extra steps yeah uh, whereas with one password, you're going to have to hit the passwords button and then create new and then type all the stuff in. I would like to see uh, one password and other third party 
password managers get the same ability to be like, you know, well, look, this is my default password management solution. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let it automatically, you know, basically do what it does on, on, on desktop where it's like, oh, we see you just logged into this site or you're about to log into this site, generate a password, save it. All right. Yep. Bam, you're done. Yep. Make the process a whole lot smoother. Man, I've been using 1Password on Windows now for just over a year, kind of like with Android. And the more I use it, the happier I get with it. I mean, you you tap the Applications button on an edit box. You can up arrow to 1Password, hit Enter. It puts you into your 1Password. You either enter your password or you your 1Password, or you search for the item, or you tab to the Categories tab and press Down Arrow to generate password. And then you generate your password because you check your uncheck your boxes that you want, like characters and numbers and symbols, and then you hit generate password and hit copy and you're done. It sounds like a lot of work, but I've gotten to the point where I can generate a password and create a new login like super quickly now. So, uh, yeah, very, very convenient. That's nice. So this is uh, 1Password X specifically? No, 1Password on Windows using the extension with Chrome. Ah, okay. Yeah, gotcha. so I think it's gotcha. the equivalency of One Password Mini, which on Windows you can open yeah. with Control Backslash instead of just Control Backslash. So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, that's nice. That is nice. Yeah, I like One Password. Man, I got a friend of mine that just recently uh, decided to switch uh, from One Password over to Apple's Keychain, <laughs> uh, partially because his wife wasn't using One Password. Mm. Uh, and the keychain again, that whole suggestions thing is the thing that I think kind of made it easier for her. It's like, oh, she's going to a new site or she's need to is needing to reset her password. Keychain can automatically pop up and say, hey, uh, we've generated a strong password for you. For you. Would you like to use it and save it in your keychain? It's <laughs> like, yes, thank you. Yes, Appreciate I Appreciate it. One password and other third party managers can, do not have that capability. And that's what I would like to see them get. Uh, but he's switching over to using keychain. Uh, full time and I'm like yeah, I guess you can do it because you all the way in on Apple right. like you have nothing in your house that's not Apple it's like mm, I can't do that no I can't do it either <laughs> I can't do that not to mention that like there's just too much other stuff that I keep in one password besides yeah. passwords like you know there's credit card numbers in there and software licenses like that's why I can always pull up a software license when I do a reinstall or need mm-hmm. to you know or want to share a license that I'm not using with somebody else because it's all in one password and that way I don't ever lose it I also have information very easily if I find myself in the circumstances where all of a sudden my license isn't working or something like that, where I can go look in one password and see what date I added it. Yeah. So at least I know when I bought it. Uh, so I can, that, that gives me a little bit more of a trail. Um, been looking at one password for business. I've uh, mm-hmm. been debating on upgrading to it, but yeah, yeah. So there's two, there's two sides to this for me, at least and my circumstances are slightly different. Uh, just because I got in on 1Password for Teams early. Uh, I was actually a beta tester. So when it went live, like they gave everybody that was an early tester and an early adopter. Uh, testers had first shot at sign up, and then everybody that signed up, I think like in the first six weeks that it was public, uh, you got some extra bits there. So like with my Teams account, uh, I have, I think, five gigs of storage versus uh, the two yeah. per user. Uh, I have, uh, something else. I don't remember what else I have. 
Right. Uh, but the, the Oh, uh templates and things like that. But the business account doesn't really give me much above that. Like it's not much of a difference. The only thing that the business well, there's a few things the business account gives me that I don't need. Like, you know, the ability for more granular control over accessing vaults uh could or could not be useful. Uh if it's just me, it really doesn't matter. Uh but what makes me sort of think about it is if we decide to go into a situation where we're using one password for business, I already have an account set up and I'm just adding people to that account. Well, everybody that gets added to that account automatically gets their own free one password for families. Right. Uh, which price wise for me, at least I think would end up costing me about the same. Like that's what's really gotten me kind of considering it is like, well, it will make my one password families free effectively but paying for two separate annual subscriptions i'm already paying for paying about the same thing anyway uh for where i'm currently sitting at so got to do a little bit more poking at the features maybe reach out to one password and see if they'll give me a special deal like hey you don't even technically even offer this plan to go on anymore because uh, i think teams is going away now i think they got like small business and and business or right. something. I don't know what they did but or one password because we're I, mentioning you so much you can just reach out to us and say hey you can have a free account and sponsor <laughs> yeah oh well, yeah you know free account would be nice too hey just a tip for everybody that is listening if your business is looking for one you know looking for a password solution which you should have one uh, LastPass is possibly a good I hadn't used it in a while so I don't know about the accessibility uh, but one password is giving six free months of one password for business out for anybody that goes to sign up uh, which is a spectacular deal uh, so if you yourself happen to be a one password user and your company is not in one password mm-hmm. but you like one password hey you probably have an easier time convincing them to try it out right now yes. and look by the time we all know what happened by the time that six months is up they're gonna be like man this shit is indispensable of course <laughs> we're gonna pay for it especially with all your people working remotely now yes absolutely Remote work, man. So I'm not really working right now. I'm volunteering my time for the radio because once you get the radio bug, at least for me, it just kind of stays there is what I tell people. Uh, and I've, I'm doing like the basic administration tasks at home pretty much, uh, putting files in the automation system and updating them on a daily basis. It, it literally takes me 10 minutes right now, but this morning I got super bored, so I uh, created hotkeys to quickly open the different locations that I'm putting files in. So now it should go a little bit faster. I'm, I'm using team viewer in a convoluted way. I will open team viewer, <laughs> log onto the computer, then switch back to the local computer. Um, I, I have to make sure my dock isn't plugged in because team viewer doesn't pass audio through the dock into my headphones. Learn that the hard way. And then, uh, jump over to jaws, create a tandem ID, jump back to team viewer, input that tandem ID into jaws on the remote computer. Hope I remembered to close the tandem session last time. Cause if I didn't, it'll say tandem is already running and you can't disconnect it. You have to reboot the computer. So I reboot the computer, log back in with team viewer, use narrator at that point to log into the computer because I don't have jaws set to startup then go back to jaws open tandem and enter the code 
and then I'm put into the ta JAWS tandem session. I will alt insert tab to get back to the local computer, which is actually the remote computer because it puts you in team viewer. I know my brain hurts a little too. And then I slide the, mm -hmm. the trackpad at the bottom across uh, and click it with in 90% of the time that works, puts me back on the desktop on the real local computer. I'll tab over to my taskbar and I'll hit the applications fee key. Blah, 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 blah. And I'll hit the applications key on TeamViewer, up arrow to close, and do that one more time because it doesn't close it the first time. I think it has to close both windows or something. And then I'll use insert alt tab to get back to the remote computer using JAWS. And it's like I'm literally sitting right there in front of it. And and I could use TeamViewer and JAWS just fine, but there's a bit a, a noticeably bit more of a lag with team viewer and jaws and so that's why i started doing this tandem whereas there's there's really no lag with jaws tandem uh but that's the convoluted way that i'm using one or not one drive uh team viewer and jaws that is an interesting way to solve the problem uh most people probably would have stuck with the team viewer connection even with the lag instead of engineering a way around it to you know, reduce the lag so you could be more efficient. So I like it. Now I, I am curious because someone's probably yelling at their phone or whatever. Why don't you use jaws remote? Um, and I would pay for jaws remote and maybe I just need to ask Vespero this, but I don't know that it would let me connect through team viewer and eliminate that lag. I'm, I'm not sure what protocols have to be used. And so that's why I'm doing it the way I'm doing it right now. OneDrive is a great asset. Some some might listen remember some listeners might remember when we upgraded to Windows 10. I was super happy, but I didn't realize how useful OneDrive could be because what I did is I made a folder on my local OneDrive that says transfer and that populated a folder on the computer at work that says transfer. So I don't even have to send files through a remote desktop connection. I just put them in transfer and it transfers it to well, wherever that OneDrive is installed, which is just my home and work computer. And then I can move those files into the automation system from the transfer folder, uh, which is on our local network at work. So to do list, are you, you're, you're using that full time now? Yep, I have uh, given up OmniFocus. So yeah, everything I do now is in Todoist. Uh, and I noticed recently, uh, actually, what was it? Like a week or so ago when you were telling me like you went to the web and pasted in a whole list of things yeah. and it popped had a pop-up to ask you if you wanted to, you know, do several tasks. Uh, so I went to Chrome and I chose Chrome because I figured, well, if it's going to behave in any proper way at all, let's try it in Chrome first. Yeah. Uh, went to Todoist, pasted in a whole list of crap. Uh, and I got the pop. Well, the first time it didn't work. The second time it did. Uh, so I hit. I did the quick ad thing where you just hit Q. Uh, actually, but what I noticed even before I got around to hitting Q is it like, hey, I can actually kind of navigate this a little bit better now and actually go choose the project I want uh, fairly easily and then hit Q for quick ad and do the paste and hit return. Uh, and like I said, the first time I did it, it just pasted everything in all this one task. And it's like, okay, that's wrong. So I tried it again. And this time I did get the little pop-up at the bottom that asked if I wanted to, you know, make 13 tasks, create 13 new tasks or whatever. But I noticed after doing that, I was like, huh, I spent a little time actually in Chrome. Uh, and since, even since this morning, when I wrote this in right here in the doc, uh, I spent a little time with it in Safari on mobile. 
And it is it is slightly more usable. Well, I don't say even slightly. It's a lot more usable than it used to be in the web browser. Huh. Uh, I wouldn't make that my first option of, hey, I'm going to go to the web and I'm comfortable. But, you know, it'll work if I need to go do things. Like the thing I haven't figured out is just because I was on a, on a phone when I was looking at it in Safari is, you know, dragging things around, moving yeah. things around, things like that. I haven't tried it. But actually just navigating and being able to see your projects without focus getting screwed up uh is a lot better and they got things labeled now that i'm pretty certain were not labeled before right and uh, which makes a lot of difference and i noticed today that you can click into a task now at least on windows and there's a checkbox there it does it's not labeled as a complete checkbox but if you mark it and then you close the task then the item is is completed and it's out of your view um if it does show up then just reload the page and it will be completed so that is handy um very nice actually so if you're listening doist thank you i i I have more more requests for you like let's add a checkbox so we don't have to click into the task but (laughs) we're making progress (laughs) hmm you should try hitting shift slash you know make a question mark on the page Ah. and see if you get the help stuff to pop up because I bet they're going to be like well actually Michael what you could do is just hit the space bar or or hit X or something yeah yeah or something like that Uh, so yeah take it that's a quick tip for anybody Uh, if you're on a web if you're in a web application uh, oftentimes hitting question mark uh, so typing question, you know, typing it as you would type a question mark in a document will bring up the help uh, dialogue just for you quickly navigate. Uh, that tends to work in a lot of places. Speaking of Todoist, uh, I was just looking at integrations, right? And I see that they have an integration with Toggle, but it only works in Chrome uh, or Firefox. Man, fuck a bunch of Firefox. Not happy with you guys, by the way. So I did the question mark trick on Todoist because I jumped over there and I'm already logged in. wasn't a huge thing. Right below where you were looking at just a minute ago is a link. It pops you over to their help documentation, which has their keyboard keystrokes. So we will link that at your own pay.com slash DM45 if you want to go check it out. Um, I, I don't. I haven't used them. I haven't checked them out enough. I will tell you that the Q key works to quickly add items. I I do know that. Now, one thing to be aware of, there's a setting in JAWS that I can't remember where it is that you can set domains to automatically disable this. But if you're going to use keystrokes on a uh, web app, you need to disable your virtual viewer or hit insert three to pass the key through to the uh, web app. So, because... Typing a question mark without the virtual viewer or without tapping or with the virtual viewer or without tapping uh, insert three just will do nothing pretty much. Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a similar setting on the Mac OS is uh, can be found in I'm going to get there eventually as soon as I remember. VO tab, isn't it? Voice over utility. Oh, uh, no. So that's how you do a key pass through. But no, you can actually there. There's a setting where you can say, you know, uh, allow keystrokes. And I forget exactly where it is in VO settings, mm-hmm. uh, v- voice over utility. Uh, but it's basically allow keyboard commands, always allow keyboard commands to navigate websites. Uh, and yeah, that's that. Uh, like Mike, I, what I would actually do is I would go to voiceover utility and set up activities for the specific sites where you want that to behave because sometimes it can have unattended consequences if you have it on for every site that you go to. 
I'm using text expander on Windows. One of the things that we do is we save items on the drive. And so what I typically would do would type colon backslash and then the name of the file. And then I hit tab and press W for wave. And then I hit save because that's how we save things in Adobe Audition or in Reaper. So what I'm doing now is because I where I need to save stuff is the transfer folder inside OneDrive, which is C colon backslash users backslash Michael space Babcock backslash whatever, whatever, whatever. What I've done is I've taken that whole path. I mapped it in text expander to we by colon backslash. And then what I do when I'm saving it is I, I type what I normally would type, including the cart number, press tab, type way W for wave hit enter, and it will save it in my OneDrive folder, no matter what well that works when text expander works when it doesn't then it tries to save it in that drive that doesn't exist on my home computer so what i have found is typically if a text expander isn't working i have to reboot the windows computer which really doesn't take that long it is a little frustrating but then it works for a while i would say a day or two and then if i come back to it then it doesn't work so i suspect there's an issue with uh something in this beta that i'm on and i have submitted some feedback that's something that gives smile I, I i don't know if you ever dealt with them but their support team is freaking awesome they are they'll, they'll work through the issue with you until they resolve the problem we have an open case that we've been working on and that's the reason why i'm on beta and maybe i should go back to the stable to see if that works there for a little while when i first got this laptop it just wouldn't work at all and they said said it was an issue with the way that the keyboard interacts with windows because i could plug in a usb keyboard and it would work every time uh and so they're they're still troubleshooting that with me and this might be related to that too, but smile support is freaking awesome. So that's how I'm using text expander. It saved me a lot of, not as much typing as what it did on the Mac, but it saved me a bit of typing for like a lot of the little things. Are you using text expander a lot or? So I still have a lot of the same snippets in play. I've added a few new snippets. Like one example is the one that I use to uh, put the audio player in uh discourse. Uh, I have that HTML set as a snippet. Well, basically a snippet will, you know, pop out the HTML code for an audio player and grab the link off my clipboard and paste it in the right place. So I've added a few new snippets. One thing that I have noticed with the latest couple of versions of Texas, man, I can't be exactly sure when it started because I haven't been really creating snippets until here recently. But it is extremely difficult now on the Mac to create a fill-in snippet. Mm. Uh you know, the ones where you create it and it, when you type the snippet, it pops up a little dialogue like you can choose from options, yeah. like, you know, which option. Yeah, those like it's a little difficult to create those now uh, because they have kind of like a little webby feeling uh-huh. yeah. editor now. And like, yeah, it's, 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 it's very difficult. I have not submitted feedback to them about it yet because I do want to do a little bit more testing to make sure I'm not missing something obvious before I send it because I don't want to be like, hey, this is broken. And then I figure out like, oh, actually, if you do this thing right here, it works. Right. Uh, but yeah, I do agree that their support is awesome, uh, both in my experience and, and experiences of others. Uh, our good friend Marlon, for example, has had Texas Mander, uh support help him create a snippet that is probably only for Marlon. <laughs> nobody else that would ever need this snippet. Uh, created ever but they have actually helped him create the snippet uh, and tweak it right now to his specifications so uh, another yeah. example of their excellent support they they do have excellent uh, support except 
uh, well, I don't know. I'm st- I'm a little unhappy. I'm a little sour still about uh, PDF Pen mm. on the Mac. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no progress over there with accessibility because uh, you know it really would be nice uh, to be able to edit PDFs the way that everybody says they edit their PDFs and do all these cool things to PDF files with PDF Pen. PDF pen on the Mac, but also to be fair, as I reminded somebody a few years ago, the last time I tried to engage smile and doing something uh, is to be quite honest, PDF support for screen readers <laughs> across the board is kind of shitty just yeah. everywhere. I don't care who you are. Everybody's screen PD, like preview on the Mac is it's decent. It's okay. There's still a lot of shit you can't do with the screen reader. Right. Though. Until you need to Adobe. see how to spell a specific word on that page. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of shit you can't do. Basic navigational stuff inside of the document you can't do. It's like uh, PDF support across the board, which is crazy to me. Right. Just to be honest, just, just to be clear, I think it is ridiculous uh, simply because PDF is like one of those formats that is going to be around for a long time. And they've had plenty of time uh, to get it figured out for sure. Like. Come on, people. <laughs> I, I, I just think it's not high priority because like people ain't making enough noise about it. I don't know. So are you I'm using Toggle on iOS? So what I'm using is, uh, so I'm using the Toggle service. Mm-hmm. Uh, their web app is pretty shitty, <laughs> by the way. Just you know, throwing that out there, Toggle. Your your web navigation with screen readers could be a hell of a lot better than what it is. I'll probably get around to sending some feedback about it at some point. But since I'm not paying the money, I'm not really all that. That's not really the reason. I just don't have time. <laughs> I just don't have time. Not, not for, it's okay. Because I don't really ever have to interact with the web app. So I'm only reminded that it's kind of terrible when I have to go do something to my account. Like, you know, change the email or do something like that. Uh, but I do use the Toggle service. Interestingly enough, Toggle is one of the services that now has signed in with Apple. Ah. Uh, huh. Which is cool. Yeah. Uh, but on iOS, I'm actually using an app called Timery or Timery uh, to inter- interface with uh, Toggle uh, over the API. So uh, starting timers, stopping timers, looking at my timers, setting up uh, projects and clients, etc. All the things that you can do with a Toggle account. And I'm on a free Toggle plan, by the way, for anybody interested. You can get quite a bit done. I think the major thing that Toggle toggles free plan does not give me that i would like to have is the ability to assign billable tasks so like this particular task that i'm doing is billable so it actually calculate uh the amount uh so that it makes it a little quicker to do invoicing but it's cool it's all right uh not worth eight bucks a month for me uh to, to get into it but you know iOS I'm using uh, Timory it has pretty good uh, shortcut support mm-hmm. uh, as well so very easy to automate and then on Android I'm using the default toggle app uh, my last experience with toggle on iOS the actual official toggle app was that it was it was usable but you know not so much on Android though it's actually pretty nice like there are a couple of unlabeled elements uh, in, uh, in the Android app uh, but they're kind of obvious as to what they would be like the one at the very bottom of the screen. Like that takes you to settings. Like I kind of figured that's what it did when I encountered it. Uh, the one for starting a timer, like is right after where it says you don't have a timer running. Uh, and if you have a timer running, then the button right after it is not labeled stops the timer again, kind of obvious if you apply some 
logic to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like, oh, you show me a timer and then there's a button. So it probably means this would start or stop the timer. Have you tr- played with shortcuts or widgets or does it not offer those or do you not know? It does have some shortcuts. I think it may have a widget too, but it does have some shortcuts. So what I, the way that I actually interface with it on Android uh, strictly is mostly through the start of timer shortcut. So I put that on my home screen and I just tap that. And if I'm not actually needing to start or stop a timer i just hit back uh Uh and go back up to the main toggle view uh if i need to do something else in there but yeah that's how i tend to use it i just open the android phone and tap start timer and the nice thing about uh toggle uh both the toggle app on android uh, i can't speak about the one on ios but the toggle app on android and the timery app on ios is when you hit start timer like the timer starts right then mm-hmm. you can still go through and like fill in information like you know what project is this for you know add a tag assign it to a client or any of that stuff uh add a description like all of those things you right. can do right then or not but it's already started your timer so at least that timer is started so a lot of times for me i will start the timer and then come back and fill that information in when i stop the timer because you know i don't i don't like uh well, you know, I don't think I should be billing people. Right, right. Uh, for, and then you still have the opportunity you know, because when you stop it, it leaves you in that timer so you can make modifications to those edit boxes. Yeah. So then I can go and assign, assign the client and all of that. And also with uh, Toggle, one nice thing is that once you, let's say you set up a project. So I have a project for uh, BE 101. Uh, for example, mm-hmm. I haven't really been tracking time in that project until this week. Uh, I decided like, hey, let me uh, actually try to help get back into the habit of doing this. So when I was editing, I tracked time. Uh, when I was done, I assigned the project, you know, chose the project to be 101 and added a tag of audio editing because that, you know, making yeah. audio editing a project doesn't make sense because I can be doing that for anybody. Right. Uh, but using it, using the tag audio editing tells me what I was doing. It also makes it easy for me to say, here's what I was doing when I spent four hours or six hours or whatever on BE 101 stuff this week. Well, two hours of that was audio editing, you know, uh, another hour of that was WordPress maintenance, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but you can also very quickly see how you could just do a quick search and filter down to see how much time have I spent this mm-hmm. week doing so-and-so Yeah, like, you know, how much time have I spent this week fucking off? Right. Oh, oh, geez, man, that's way too much time. You got to do better, man. (laughs) (laughs) Focus, young man. Focus. Uh, So I do like Toggle as uh, with the apps that I'm with the mobile apps that I'm using. The desktop app on on the Mac is. mm, So look, you know me, Mike. I'm one of the people that's like, if I'm already on a device, I want to do the thing I'm trying to do on that. I'll go pick up my phone. Uh, the toggle app. And it's not like it's 100% horrible because uh, it's actually fairly accessible. The problem is it has focus issues uh, with voiceover. And that'll be so, a deal breaker. Yeah, because you'll start a timer and then you'll think you're stopping this timer or you're restarting this timer that you pause for a second while you ran to get some water or whatever or see who's at the door. And you're actually doing something different because where you were when you started typing is not where you are when you hit return. Uh, So that's actually why I don't use it. Uh, Accessibility wise, like labels and things being laid out sort of logically, like it's actually fairly good. I will check it out on Windows because I like I just pulled up the web page to make sure I have an account. I got to get into it if 
they have sign in with Google. It's probably set up with that side note. I'm I'm using that sign in with Google a lot more. I noticed now, like it's super so, convenient. I have been using it for a while, uh, and I mostly started using it like with my G Suite account. Yeah, me too. Uh, because I'm like, well, one, I know I'm never gonna do, like. I may eventually ditch that account. Well, I doubt it though. Well, I can't ditch it now, man. I got I got like two terabytes worth of shit in Google. <laughs> Don't tell Google. Uh, <laughs> but like I, I, you know, for the longest time, like that's an account I know I'm going to keep open. Uh, they're going to keep active is that account. So like, it's not like, oh, maybe I don't sign into it for like, I'm always in that account. That's my primary account. So yeah, I've been using that quite a bit. Uh, and I've been using sign in with Apple everywhere that it has become available mm-hmm. so like i one one nice thing about taco is like you can set it up to sign in with an email and password you can connect it with google uh, but you can also go into your settings later to your profile settings later and attach other you know sso accounts to it so i just went in and was like oh well yeah add sign in with apple as a way for me to sign in because mm-hmm. i uh i like it first of all like it's cool uh, I've been waiting for somebody to finish a discourse plugin or for discourse to <laughs> add it directly so I can put it there as well as uh, we don't have any SSO set up on our discourse yeah. at the moment anyway, though. Uh, I haven't done it because the only ones that I want to add would be like Google. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and GitHub. Uh, maybe. Uh, but I don't want to add Facebook and Twitter. No. People are probably going to want me to add Facebook and Twitter. So I was like, well, yeah. I don't want to add either one of those. So we're just so not going to do just it. not going to add none. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I, I use uh, SSO through Google on Zoom, too, and a few other tools. Like, uh, yeah. like it's handy, man. Like it's handy. So I am looking at setting up a two-month free trial of FreshBooks again to try them out again to – but I don't, I don't know if I want to pay them. And once I start getting shit into FreshBooks, it's it's in there, and then I'll end up paying them because so, it's already there. So it's interesting that you say that because I was actually just thinking about the same thing. I had to send an invoice, a couple of invoices uh, yep. last week. Uh, yep. I only sent one of them. I haven't sent the other one yet. Uh, and so I have Invoice Ninja set up uh, through Cloud Run. I like the idea of Invoice Ninja. Let me say that. I do like the idea of Invoice Ninja because it gives you everything that FreshBooks uh, basically had. The only thing that I'm missing or have not got working with Invoice Ninja that I did love about FreshBooks was the ability to, to connect it to your PayPal account or your bank account so that as you spent money, uh, or money came into that account, it would also, yeah, you would be able to track it. Uh, makes it a lot simpler. I really miss that feature about FreshBooks. Right. Uh, but I like I like Invoice Ninja, you know, partially because I'm a person that believes in open source. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like stuff to be, you know, if I can self-host something versus having, having to being forced to pay for it and being forced to pay whatever, you know, they arbitrarily decide their services were versus the actual value I get out of it, et cetera. But Invoice Ninja does have some accessibility issues. Uh, for example, I can't really customize the way that my invoices look the way that I could in, in FreshBooks. Mind you, I'm going to say the way that I could in FreshBooks simply because uh, I haven't used the new FreshBooks interface to customize right. uh, invoice. So I don't know how well that works but i know in the old classic fresh books as they were calling it for a while uh I, you could very easily go because it was just text fields like it was just edit boxes on the field you went in customize your text you know that you wanted to be there 
And if you, you know, want to do different styling and stuff, you know, there were ways for you to do that. But all those buttons and options were accessible. Uh, not so much with Invoice Ninja if you want to drag around the way that things are arranged. Uh, so I was thinking about like, man, I should go do a trial of FreshBooks mm-hmm. and see, you know, has the accessibility in the new the new FreshBooks improved? But like you, I was like, man, I will fuck around and get over there and then. I will start invoicing from over there. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it works. This is good. I don't want to pay the for it, Fargo though. Account. <laughs> They're like, oh, shit, man. They don't raise the price again. Now it's $20 a month. God yep, damn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, To be honest, we'll probably set up the FreshBooks trial because I have a couple invoices that I've just sat on because I don't, I don't feel like dealing with them. And I am fairly confident that when I uh, set up FreshBooks that it'll just I'll get them sent out and they'll be done. I won't have to worry about it anymore. You know, I've tried all of the other, just about all of the other options out there. Uh, it's one I've heard about called invoice plane. I'm kind of at a point right now, uh, work life balance wise, where like, it's not that I don't have any time to devote to trying to tinker around with stuff, but some stuff I just don't really feel like fucking around with. Uh, so there's a couple of open source options for uh, r slash self-hosted as uh, an is- interesting subreddit for anybody interested in self-hosting their own stuff. Ah, that's that's something I haven't heard of uh, yet. <laughs> whoa, a subreddit you ain't. I thought you told me about that one. Hell, no, no, that was, was not me. out there because that's that's why. I, uh, Self-hosted alternatives to popular services. Got a lot of interesting stuff there. I saw what looks like an interesting alternative to Cloud Run, by the way, uh, in there just yesterday. Side note, this app that still ain't in the fucking app store yet. Man, I really like this app, though. <laughs> I spent like, I spent like, a literally, I spent like an hour in Reddit yesterday just browsing around, reading shit, saving a couple of things. And it's like, oh, yeah, I need to go check that out. Right. That's interesting. Oh, yeah. Todoist template. I want to hear what you found out about Todoist templates because I just went and looked at them today because I, I happened to be on the website already and I was like, oh, yeah, let me go look at Todoist <laughs> for think alike. <laughs> one. Let me go look at Todoist for business is what I did first. Uh, I was like, huh, let me see if I can do this. And I was like, hmm, no, that's yeah, okay. Yeah, not uh, right now. Because I think we're already all, I think, yeah, not right now. I think we're all already paying for premium anyway. Yeah. I don't think that we get any additional benefits that would actually benefit us. I was like, ah, no, okay. Oh, there's the templates though. Let me go look at those because I forgot. So templates like, oh. are pre-created projects uh, that you can actually set up yourself. Like let's say you set up a project, you can save it as a template and then share the link with anyone. And then when they click that link, they can choose to add it to their to-do list. So uh, two, two ideas that I have is number one, I created a well, I imported a template called Podcast Production, I think, and then I shared it with I was you. wondering if that's where you got that one from. Yep, yeah, yep. yeah. That was I saw that. a template. And then I saw I it on the site, and I was like, is that the one Mike pulled? I was like, <laughs> oh, maybe I shouldn't add it yet. Let me go. Let me see. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's what that is. So I just clicked the link, clicked Add to Todoist, and then all, I think it's like 14 or 20 tasks are added there with the sections already there. So th- there is a way you can write your projects out in markdown or or in a form of markdown i have not 
learned that yet, but that's one way you can set up for templates. And then with Zapier, it looks like if you complete a task with a specific label, you can generate another project to be built. So I think that'll solve my automation of uh, add a task at the top of the project that says completed with episode with a label titled episode completion or something. Then when I uh, select that, it should be able to generate a new project based on a podcast production template. So that's what I'm going to play around with uh, that aspect of automation. And then that took me down the path of, oh, what else can you do with Todoist automation? And then I sent you that shit to found this star in the email add to Todoist. And so, yeah, Zapier uh, is going to be fun to play with in the next couple of days. <laughs> Man, Zapier is ridiculously good right? at connecting a lot of stuff, man. Uh, I, I'm actually... Uh, I haven't looked into it yet, but I, I want to look into trying to automate uh, discourse and to do it a little bit uh, so that as we're having discussions inside of discourse, we're able to, you know, if you hit the assign button, this is what mm. I want to figure out if I can hit that. That's why I threw that plug in, by the way, just just uh, as a side note, the reason I actually installed that plug is because I was thinking about, hey, it'd be cool if. We were having a discussion about a thing. A decision was made to do a thing and somebody hit a sign and chose a person and then it added it to that person's to do list. Uh, or at least added it to mine if it was me. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. That I would like be that useful. idea. <laughs> um, uh, you can use Markdown in your comments. So if you want to add a link to a a uh item inside of discourse you can put it the text in brackets in the url in parentheses gotcha i just read that today too while while explaining to do us so that's that's my experience with the uh templates is it's very easy to set up projects and then that looks like there are and then it looks like there are ways you can uh automate re-adding those projects and yeah so I will be playing with that a bit more over the next couple of weeks or week or so. And when we come back, we have Android apps to talk to you about and Demasi's experience with upgrading his MacBook. Show notes and more information with links to things we mentioned can be found at yourownpay.com forward slash DM45. I'm at Payown, P-A-Y-O-W-N on Twitter, and he's at Damasi, D-A-M-A-S-H-E. You've been listening to Your Own Pay Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, visit yourownpay.com slash cast for exclusive content and to contact us today. We're eager to hear your thoughts and about how you're making this podcast your own. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. The Your Own Pay Podcast, yourownpay.com.